Welcome everyone to the 26th episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Kozella here with uh, Nick Tartaglia. Uh, Nick, how's it going, man? What's up, Dan? So uh, today, uh, today is an interesting day. We have uh, we have what I would consider somewhat somewhat of like a contrarian's type of commodity, especially one that would appeal a lot to uh, millennials. And I have a lot of friends in engineering now and stuff like that. And, you know, materials are becoming more and more of a relevant subject, especially with the way we want things to become greener, more efficient and optimization. So this, this topic today is really cool, especially in the theme of millennials and projecting forward everything we're trying to do with ourselves. Absolutely. I guess we'll get right into it. We guys, we got a very special guest today. Um, we're going to talk about an interesting metal that has only been recently discovered. Um, our guest here today completed a bachelor's of science at Waterloo university. Um, and then he obtained his optometry degree at the university of Montreal, uh, in 1997. Um, he later assembled a team and, uh, led a successful proxy battle to remove the uh, incumbent bio board of directors of a company called Zen graphene. Um, he was named the, C the co-CEO in August 2018 and now assumes the full-time CEO role uh, for the company. He was previously an entrepreneur, uh, was the co-founder of Canicure Corp., which was a private cannabis company that saw the successful buyout of $40 million. Um, and this gentleman has also gained a significant understanding of strategic planning fundraising, as well as the most important thing, which is capital markets. Um, welcome to the New Gen Mindset Podcast, Dr. Francis Dubé. Hi, Dan. Pleasure to be here. And that was a great introduction. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we want to make sure that we take care of our guests all the time. Um, again, appreciate you coming on the podcast here today. Maybe just talk about what how did you get to this point and maybe talk about the entrepreneurial journey that you, uh, that got you to where you're at today? Sure. Um, I'll start maybe with a Zen story. So Zen at the time was called Zenyatta Ventures. It was a uh, exploration company. They were up Northern Ontario. They were looking for nickel copper. Um, they found this rare graphite to their credit. They got it looked at and the guys that analyzed said, you know what, this is really unlike any other graphite in the world. So at the time, um, graphite what was uh, really special at the time or really hot uh, was lithium ion batteries, um, you know, Tesla, all that stuff was really popping at the time. So they really directed their uh, focus on battery manufacturing and getting their graphite tested in batteries. So the stock had a great run, went from 16 cents to $5 over a couple of years. So it was a fun, fun ride as an investor. Um, so myself and a few others were part of that journey. Um, unfortunately, the uh, guys that were running it lost their way a little bit. Um, I didn't, you know, they didn't really have the right team in my perspective from a business standpoint to bring this to the next level. So as you said, Dan, um, you know, we launched a proxy battle and that was in January, 2018. We assembled a team of, of business people, scientific people, uh, a well-rounded group, some political people. And uh, in May, 2018, we became the new board of directors of Zenato Ventures at the time, which we later renamed as Zen Graphene Solutions, uh, a name that we thought uh, reflected more uh, where the company was headed under our 
board of directors and management group. So that's the, the sort of the, the story of how I got involved with Zen. Uh, I was sort of the, the cheerleader and the, the guy that uh, made a lot of calls and got people to say, you know what, this is a really special asset. Uh, there's something here that uh, offers a lot of potential. Graphene is something that's going to be, um, you know, in everything down the road. If you look at plastic, if you look at steel, when those things came on the market, I don't think anyone really expected those things to be as ubiquitous now as when it was invented. Now you can't turn around without running into something plastic or something metal uh, or steel. So uh, I think graphene is going to have some of that same journey. Um, I think the research we're involved in is, supports it. Uh, we're going to see graphene be in everything down the road. Maybe I'll stop there and yeah, what I was going to say was to give context to the uh, to what graphene is like. So from so from the way a lot of the scientists, the material scientists are explaining it, graphene is a two dimensional material, which is the only kind, which is the only kind, uh, the only material of its kind on Earth that is two dimensional. Correct? correct. And it's basically yeah. that atoms cannot go up or down. It can only go side to side, which is why it's two dimensional. And it's basically, as you had said in your print, when I met you, uh, the presentation in Montreal, you had said, it's basically like a deck of cards. When you remove each layer, you're left over with a single layer and that's your two dimensional layer. So the scientists who discovered it, who got in a, they got a Nobel prize for it in what? 2010, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Andre Jim and Konstantin Novoselov uh, uh, discovered that in 2004 and, um, you know, Followed that up a few years later with a Nobel Prize. So kudos to them. Yeah, a hundred percent. So it's only so it's only fourteen years we've discovered this material. Ironically, graphene, graphite has existed for a long time, but they just—if I read the story right—all they did is they took a they took scotch tape and layer by layer they removed the graphite until they were left with a single layer left. Correct. And then uh, it opened up the door to uh, what seems to be an obsession with science, uh, material scientists nowadays. You can see, you can find like countless uh, TED Talks videos about these all over the world. Uh, absolutely. To their credit, you know, they started looking at the properties. You know, graphite has a certain set of properties. Mm -hmm. And if you compare again graphite to that deck of cards, when you're able to remove that single card, the magic here is that that single card has completely different uh, characteristics compared to the deck and that's where the magic happens so when you're able to separate that single layer one atomic layer of carbon out uh, all of a sudden it's 200 times stronger than steel yeah. um, you know it has the electrical capacity of a thousand times of copper uh, it's got more heat conductance than almost anything else on earth so it's got all these wonderful attributes and when you combine that with other materials these other materials now start to take on the same characteristic as the graphene yeah so it's that that's where that's where it opens the door to a lot of the potential of graphene is the it's the because apparently it's starting to open up a lot of t conversations in the physics world as well because of the way the molecules move and stuff like that and especially with the, the honeycomb shape of graphite of graphene that apparently it could have it has a, it, it can open the door to all sorts of filtering capabilities so filtering carbon emissions filtering uh, um, dirty water for to clean it uh, so the potential is crazy and I know that you had talked about it was the uh, the filter layer on top of masks. 
So what we've done, so uh, we were involved with a lot of research across Canada, a lot of different universities. We've got about 100 plus researchers uh, that work with our material here that's, again, unique in the world. And so we're trying to build a lot of science around it. We filed two patents in the last few weeks. Um, but the unique thing here that we're trying to do is, um, well, first of all, when, when COVID hit, we basically had all the university programs shut down. So we had our own facility in, in, in uh, Guelph, Ontario, that had just opened up March 3rd, ironically, and then the whole world shut down. So we turned our attention and we said, well, what can we do with our graphene to help this pandemic situation? And so we developed something called a graphene ink or graphene coating that can be sprayed on masks and filters. Mm -hmm. And we've had tests done now at the impact facility in London, Ontario, which is a, a BSL level three lab. They actually work directly with the COVID-19 virus and our graphite uh, or graphene ink was 99% plus effective. I yeah, just, I was just about to say that you came out, that news came out the September 22nd that yeah. uh, Zen Graphene Solutions develops a graphene-based ink with 99% virucidal activity against COVID-19. So you're basically, so basically the premise of Zen Graphene is you guys are heavily focused on the IP development and research of the output of how you can industrially apply graphene. Right, that's the primary focus of Zen Graphene. Absolutely, I mean the material in the ground is is special by itself. We're trying to build a lot of IP around it to develop really a, a long-standing company here. Uh, we know that uh, the last thing we want to do is commoditize this thing. Uh, we really want to build value for our shareholders uh, by by building a moat, as my CFO likes to call it, around the material and protect ourselves and our investors for the long run here. Of course, and I, I can understand because if, if you can help push the, the market and its demand, well, then by default, the supply will eventually start to increase. Is it, is it because I know, I know graphene is very expensive right now. Is it an issue of, of a lack of really a demand or is it really the fact that the industrial, uh, the industrial capability of synthesizing graphene on an individual layer is very difficult and expensive. Like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not understanding where the cost, the heavy component of that is coming from exactly. Well, first of all, the costs are coming down right now. We're okay. seeing that reduction happening right, you know, in front of us right now. It's still relatively expensive and small uh, amounts when universities are looking for it. You know, if you're buying a gram of it at a time, you're still going to pay a fair amount, maybe up to $100 a gram. But uh, those prices are coming down quite quickly here. But on an industrial basis, if you're if you're starting to sell, you know, a kilogram at a time or more, uh, those prices are coming down, you know, quite nicely here. To be honest with you. Okay. And do you think um, that's? I think it's a combination of two things: the technologies okay. to make it yeah. are getting better, and there's actually more volume uh, demand being built at the same time. So it's it's both sides here that are uh, getting better. Is is just because I know, for example, in the renewable space in the last 20 years, China had a huge impact in terms of driving down the costs of renewables, especially the commodities and renewables and everything. Like, is this something that like countries are going to get involved or is this more like politically or is this more like a private sector attention you're getting? Uh, there's a big drive both from China, okay. the U.S., the, the U.K., South Korea. I mean, the, the patent uh, race on this is, is, is quite interesting to watch. I think there's okay. over 60,000 patents now filed across the world um, that deal with different aspects of graphene and its uh, integration into different uh, uh, 
inventions. So there's, there's definitely a patent war there. Samsung actually is the leader right now in the world in terms of a company that has uh, patents in there. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of people are working on graphene right now. So and it's, just it's to, bring up, right uh, now. to bring up, on September 28th, you had also, you, Zena also released a, uh, a news that they, with the University of uh, Guelph and the researchers there, you guys filed the patent on the graphene oxide production method. Correct. Correct. So yeah. usually when you, yeah, absolutely correct. So usually uh, the, the main method has been around for a long time to make graphene oxide is you would take your graphene, which is pure carbon, you would actually uh, expose it to a, a very highly oxidative uh, chemicals, usually acids, phosphoric acid, um, and, and those things would break down the graphite into its layers and uh, introduce oxygen groups onto the surface and the edges of the graphene. Um, that's you know not very good for the environment mm -hmm. uh, and, and costly at the same time. So what we looked at with Guelph University is there a better way to do this? And what we've done there is quite unique. Obviously, we got to manage to get a patent on it, but we actually managed to do it where we formed a uh, an anode material out of the graphite, which we pre-treated. We dipped this graphite now into a a, a custom uh, proprietary solution of electrolytes, and we run a current through it. When we do that, the graphite breaks down into graphene oxide. We can actually customize the uh, process to get our graphene oxide to have anywhere between 15% oxygen loading up to 30% loading, depending on how we play with the parameters there. So it's a customizable process. Uh, it's going to be very green. We won't be using all the amount of harsh acid uh, that we see in what's called the Hummers method, which is the... Uh, the method that every kind of, everybody kind of uses right now. So it gives us a cost advantage. It gives us an environmental advantage. Um, so we're, we're pretty proud of that work. It's about 20 months of R&D work that went into that patent. Um, now we're in the scale of uh, uh, time of, of, that, uh, of that. But uh, yeah, we, we expect to have a pretty good advantage uh, in the production of graphene oxide because of that work. Okay, that's it. Because I know that through all my readings and stuff that a lot of the difficulty is the, it's the cap it's the ability to produce the graphene oxide. That was very difficult. There's a lot of industrial components or like you said with the oxide, the one that would, it would release a lot of, of potent chemicals that were bad for the environment. Yeah. So in terms of this patent itself, as you scale it, would it help drive the prices down or is this more of a fixed type of cost regardless of how much you try to output uh, our, yeah, it should drive the prices down, at least for ourselves. We'll have a, a better cost performance versus the chemical method of production. Uh, so that'll give us a, an, an advantage on, on the, the rest of the market. Okay, cool. Wow. And uh, so I know you guys have a, um, you guys have your own asset where you guys have your own graphene inside. Now, obviously it's part of your asset, your balance sheet. So do you mind just explaining a bit in terms of your asset or the, the lifeline, the lifetime of your asset and how it plays sure. the picture of graphene yeah. or in so, your company? Yep. So the graphite and that's was discovered and, and basically uh, measured by the previous board of directors. So they went up there in Northern Ontario. They did some EM work, electromagnetic, uh, uh, flights and they, they found these targets, they drilled them, found the graphite, they went back there and then really Swiss cheese the deposit, put a bunch of different holes, different angles, and they were able to basically model 
the deposit. The deposit is two vertical pipes. So it's basically like a volcanic eruption that shot up through the host rock from the magma, but didn't reach surface, degas, and flash frozen space. So usually graphite is millions of years of heat and pressure of carbonaceous material. That's how graphite is usually made. Ours was completely different. Ours was made in basically a few seconds, big, big hot er eruption of material, CO2 gas, methane gas came up and solidified in the host rock. So leaving us with very, very small flakes of graphite in there. Now these small flakes are why our graphite uh, is, are, requires a lot less energy to transfer from graphite to graphene. So that's the advantage of our deposit. We've got 1.4 million tons of graphite. So that's decades and decades worth wow. of material here to build uh, the company around. That's, okay, that's so you, you, could, you could eventually build, you're basically capable of building your own supply. Absolutely. So we're going through the environmental, uh, anytime you're going to build a mine, especially in Canada, the regulations are you know, pretty strict. Um, so we're going through an environmental assessment process right now. We're in our second year of that. Uh, COVID's played a bit of a role there and, and threw a wrench in there. Uh, so we're going to be probably another an extra year. So we're probably looking at three years altogether. We're a year and a half in, two years in right now. Uh, but yeah, the goal is to get this uh, to permitting stage within about a year, year and a half from now. Just so our, our listeners understand, I guess, the mining industry in Canada, right? Um, there's something called the 43101, right? Correct. Um, that's basically a, a very detailed report saying that you guys have done a full due diligence, uh, full breakdown of the mine sites. Um, is that a requirement for you guys in particular, or is that something that um, you kind of can speed, like basically bypass that process in the short term? Uh, yeah, we can't bypass that. Does, does the name Briex ring uh, any bells for you guys? That was maybe a bit before your time. <laughs> no. Briex was literally the biggest gold scam in the world. And okay. I hate to say it, unfortunately, um, it has a history in Canada. Uh. Um, so new regulations were put in place after this. These guys were basically drilling for gold. I think it was Malaysia. Um, when the core was coming out, they would actually salt the cores with gold dust. Uh, and they, it, they, they, it looked like they had, you know, they had this massive, massive deposit of gold and it was all fake. So the stock ran to over $200, uh, you know, the, the guy that, one of the guys that was running this uh, jumped out of a helicopter, killing himself when everything came out. So wow. it was a tragedy. It was, you know, people, some people made a ton of money. A lot of people lost a ton of money. Um, but from this was born 43101 regulations. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we as a company have to uh, hire out third party engineering companies to come in and do the work certify what we've done, look at the, you know, the original drillings that we measured the, the deposit from, make sure they weren't salted. Um, we actually, when we send it out for assay, we actually have to cut these um, cylinders in half and keep half forever. Like we've got <laughs> stacks and stacks and stacks of this material, uh, you know, hidden away um, that we keep as witnesses. So if ever anybody comes up and wants to question us, we can actually still prove that it's exactly what we said. So that's what's been born of that BREX scandal. Uh, the regulations that are in place now in the 43101 regulations that uh, ensure legitimacy, uh, third-party verification of, of, of everything that gets done. 
Wow. Well, if you guys want to look at a fun story, look at the, the story behind it. For sure, I'll have to look in that one. <laughs> they, they actually made a pretty good movie um, based on that story. Uh, Matthew no, McConaughey, I think, was in that yes. one. Yes. Right? There you go. Oh, wow. Okay, no, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to go it, look at that one. It's called yeah. uh, the, the Gold Rush? or Correct. Gold? Yeah. Yeah, they, but Matthew McConaughey, I mean, he looked fat. He looked <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but they actually made him look not attractive. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it, it was a great, um, again, they couldn't name it Brie X because of, of whatever, you know, copyright reasons, but sure. it, it was a great depiction of how uh, they pulled out that scam for as long as they did. Definitely putting that on our uh, Netflix list ne- in the next few weeks, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't know it was based on that one, but that's really, you know, you learn something new every day, especially, uh, I find mining just so interesting because there's so much to learn every day. And I'm sure you're learning so much, especially with your, you know, because you are an exploration company. Um, can you maybe talk about like, what was the craziest thing you guys learned throughout the last seven months, uh, even with COVID. I mean, this has been the biggest digital transformation too, but I find graphing can be applicable to digital maybe even later on. But like, what was like that one thing that you guys took away that was just like, wow, completely just brand new material. I'm like, so you're so impressed by that learning. So we do have a lot of smart people that work for us. And when we looked at, you know, doing something that could help this pandemic, um, you know, we looked at what was in the historical records. And when you're trying to combine graphene, graphene oxide with uh, either copper, zinc, silver, uh, those are the three metals that are known to be virucidal or biocidal. Um, the best results we saw in literature was with silver and was up to, you know, anywhere between 20 and 54% effectiveness at killing COVID. So um, one of our guys says, you know, there's, there's a way to actually activate the, the silver. Silver is the most potent uh, virucidal agent. It's also the most expensive. But we said, you know, if we're going to put something together here, we want to have the most efficacious product we can on the marketplace. So we, uh, we did the, the silver and we, we found a way to activate the silver. And that's what uh, led to the transformation of a product that in history, uh, all the literature out there, all the research that's ever been done, we took a product that was basically 25 to 50% effectiveness, and we brought up to 99 plus effectiveness. Um, that, for me, was a breakthrough. Uh, this led to a patent and led to uh, dozens and dozens of phone calls from around the world now uh, from companies that are in mass manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, companies that aren't in the mass manufacturing but are in other countries saying, hey, you know, could we get an exclusive on your product and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, in, in our country here and, and we'll, you know, we'll be your business partners and, you know, I don't want to give out the countries, but For sure. uh, in, in our country, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll be your representative here. So uh, it's attracted a lot of attention, of course, with the pandemic now and, and the second wave that we're seeing, there's just a lot of interest in a product uh, that could really curb um, the second wave and play a role, whether it's filters in schools and universities and uh, hospitals to uh, uh, airlines to have it in, in their filters so that people can feel safe flying again to having it on mask where instead of just trapping the virus on your mask, but if you touch your, 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 your mask, you still have, you know, COVID coronavirus on your hands. If we can have that coating that actually deactivates the virus from your mask um, it reduces the risk again dramatically. So the opportunities for this uh, ink or this coating, uh, we call it an ink because we as a company will sell it as an ink. It's a liquid that's infused with the graphene oxide and silver. 
They would be sprayed on materials like mass materials, usually have polypropylene there, uh, or on um, filters for HVAC units. Uh, once it's uh, sprayed on, the liquid portion, which is uh, proprietary, but it's a, it's a combination of, of, of water and ethanol, and it, it, that evaporates off, leaving you just the graphene oxide and the silver on the surface. So it forms this uniform coating um, that is there now to uh, do our job, uh, do its job and protect us against COVID-19. So it has a, a huge potential, just not even necessarily just with that, just in general also then just in the health space, it could be applied in so many ways. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, whatever COVID does, whether it's gone in a year or three years, um, I think the world is now awake to uh, viruses, bacteria, you know, all those things. So I, I think going forward, the world is going to be a new place and having a, an extra level of protection is something that the world's always going to demand going forward here. Yeah, like I definitely just because just just relating it back to home here in Montreal, during the COVID lockdowns, in April, in Dorval, there was, a, there was a several old age home facilities, which are government run, that there was a lot of old people that passed away. Yeah, that and, was a tragedy. And we had that in Ontario as well. Yeah. And I feel that if you could, you could find ways to implement it in just kind of like creating a barrier for old people in their old age, in their homes. So that this way, you know, that's one less thing they have to worry about. It becomes kind of like a hedge to a potential scenario. Absolutely. So imagine if you could have uh, all the HVAC, all, all the uh, air, air returns would have this coating applied to them. So if somebody's got COVID and is coughing, well, when that air gets pulled in and gets filtered, we actually kill the coronavirus at that point. It can't go into all the other rooms that are connected to that room and, and contaminate someone else. So yes, absolutely. Those, those old age homes are, are definitely a, a very I, uh, big I, opportunity. I, I'm thinking you have the medical beds, you have, you have all the medical tools, like surgeons, all the tools they use in case of cross-contamination cross because you know, you're dealing with open bodies. You know, they're very, very meticulous when it comes to bacteria and viruses. So it, when you start looking at that future component of like, if to you, is, do you believe this to be somewhat like right now, kind of like a contrarian type of uh, outlook? I'm not sure about contrarian, but something new. Like one of the challenges we've had as a company is when we do, and you came to one of them, brokers meetings, yeah. um, I usually have to spend half my presentation explaining what graphene is. Mm -hmm. If I was in there talking about a gold deposit or a copper deposit, um, you know, the story is so much easier, right? I have to spend a lot of time educating people on yeah. what graphene is, what are the applications, what are the markets, what are the business opportunities that come with those. Um, so it, it's, it's uh, I wouldn't say contrarian, but definitely a, uh, you know, a novel product. And there's a lot of educational work that has to be done in there. The new, that's it. Like the way I looked at the contrarian was that like the, the possibilities for like the new frontier, you know, the possibilities oh. you have in space exploration and green and green technology and um, in technology, just, I know for like, for example, an example I saw was instead of having like glass screens, you could have plastic screens coated with graphene. And because of its superconductivity and its ability to be manipulated, you could use the, you could use a plastic, a plastic, a plastic screen on your phone that will never break because it's plastic and graphene and not glass. There's so you'll never get a crack and you could just play around with it. Uh, the endless, they were comparing it to spider webs. How, for example, if you started feeding spiders in, um, 
I forget which, which scientist was talking about this, but basically uh, uh, talking about the, a spider where they were feeding spider graphene particles and it was spinning out web that had components of graphene and making it that much stronger. Yeah, I, I saw that one. It was actually very cool. Yeah. So, the, yeah. The, so for me, the fascination is how, how obsessed the scientific and research community is with this because they're the ones that kind of start, they're the ones who kind of push forward all the new technology and developments in our societies. So their obsession with it is what kind of, you felt that energy. So like it, it, it made me obsessed with it. Yeah. So I'll give you a practical example of what we're doing right now with graphene oxide. So we partnered up with a company called Evercloak. They're a spin out from Waterloo University. They've managed to find a way to print a single atomic layer at a time of graphene oxide. So they literally can print films of graphene oxide. And they've been able to use that technology to create a dehumidification membrane. Now, where this is useful is you can actually put this in front of an air conditioning unit and you remove the moisture in the air before it gets into the HVAC unit, okay, before it gets into the air conditioning unit. If you can remove the moisture before it gets into the air conditioning unit, all of a sudden your electrical load in the air conditioning unit drops by about 75%. Okay. Uh, that is a massive green energy savings. Yeah. Okay. The uh, membrane basically takes the water out, creates a pure drinking water as well. So you yeah. have the benefit of, of, of creating a water. So this technology now is so uh, interesting that we actually managed to convince the Royal Canadian Navy their Montreal office um, to actually test this in their own facility for something that they think could go on all their ships. So that is something we announced as well in, in uh, at the end of September here. So we're really excited to work with the Royal Canadian Navy. And we think this technology is something that can be on every ship, but also around the world. Uh, on, in, you know, Think about the air conditioning demands that we've got on the world right now. Think about if you could reduce that electrical need by 75%, how much reduction of electrical load are you going to create? It's, right. It sounds pretty substantial. To be yeah, honest, I thought you were going to say like maybe like 40 or 30%, 75. I mean, that is a game changer. They, and, they've uh, had up to 89% in some of their studies, uh, but 75%. So what, what they've done now is study what the uh, requirements are for the, what they call the Munster um, unit. Okay. And compared to the current units in the, sh in the, in the, in the Naval fleet, they figure that it's, it's for those specific units, it's going to be about a 75% savings. Now, not only do you save 75% of the electrical load, you can now, now have a smaller air conditioning because the load's not as big. So you're going to have a smaller uh, square footage for that equipment. And the, you're going to have less, uh, less maintenance to do on that as well now because it's smaller. So on big ships, may not be a big deal. If you're on a submarine and you can save uh, some square footage, there's a lot of attraction there. For sure. So there's, there's a lot of plus for this. And that's why the Royal Canadian Navy is interested in what we're doing here. And uh, I mean, any type of government contract is massive. I think that that speaks volume for itself. You, you had mentioned it. You were part of the, it's the ideas, right? Ideas, yeah. We won an ideas challenge as well. That one's interesting. So they gave us some seed money that was $200,000. And that was to help create a, a coding um, on, for the uh, satellites, uh, electromagnetic shielding. Okay, so um, that's an interesting program with the ideas. It's a contract basically for them. It's not a grant. Uh, it's a, we have a contractual obligation now to come up with 
uh, a design for this. If they like to design, they'll actually give us a million dollars on the next round of funding to come up with a prototype. And if the prototype works, then they'll give us up to $20 million to commercialize this. So um, there's a lot of funding in, in, in those uh, from the DND Department of National Defense. Um, they have some big goals. And if you can prove to them that you can provide solutions to their challenges, uh, they're willing to fund um, those ideas. I know the, uh, the United States, assuming, uh, again, I, we don't want to get political, <laughs> but there's a guy in there who says he wants Space Force. Um, so <laughs> oh, I really? find... Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's pushing for that. And, you know, with uh, what Francis just told us here today, it's just like my mind just exploded with the possibilities of what <laughs> graphene could provide. Um, I know Elon Musk is sort of like the, he's like our generation, Steve Jobs. Um, yeah. and, he, and he came out, I think, two or three months ago, and he said, we need more nickel, we need more graphite. Um, would you say graphene is probably part of that discussion as well when it comes to electric vehicles? Yeah, so I can give you some good discussion on that. So graphite is in, so when we talk about a lithium ion battery, we always refer to the lithium, but the truth of the matter is there's 20 times more graphite in your lithium ion batteries. Okay, the graphite is the most important part in there. The lithium is the, uh, the liquid portion that goes back and forth and creates the energy, but the graphite is very important in there as well. But the graphite has a maximum um, energy capacity of 372 milliamperes hours per gram, okay? Graphene, uh, we've measured up to 2,800 milliamperes hour per gram. So when you're trying to create a, uh, an energy source, a higher energy density, graphene is gonna blow away graphite, okay? There's a ton of research going on around the world right now on how can we get our batteries to work with graphene instead of graphite because we yeah. could create batteries that would be, you know, actually Samsung just filed a patent on a, a new graphene-based battery that can recharge in minutes instead of hours, okay? It's like a Tesla's... Uh... Yeah, I just want to say like Tesla's million, uh, one, they, like their intention is they want to get to the 1 million uh, kilometer battery or something like that, mileage battery. Yeah, that, that'd be phenomenal. So yeah. you're not going to do that with graphite. You're going to need yeah. graphene to hit those kind of numbers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, yeah, we're pretty excited by the battery space. The battery um, space is obviously massive, but if you're going to need, if you're going to do something to jump over the current technologies, it'll come from something like graphene. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, the possibilities and, are endless. It's, yeah, 100%. I'm learning so much just having this conversation. Right there, was also, there was also talks of space elevator, of uh, <laughs> biocompatible bio, uh, bio properties for technology, body armor, uh, flexible screens, batteries, water, water filtration, 3D printing. Uh, the, the list goes on. This is why it's like, this. that's why was, the conversation is endless, especially that... The, scientist, the scientific community is so overly obsessed with this that it is, because at our age, for us, everybody now has a car. It's, half the conversations are, well, what are they going to do to improve the way we live, the way we kind of coexist with the natural world? And clearly graphene can help. It's, it's a viable solution that helps us start the talk of how to optimize certain things in the way we, we perform our technology and how we integrate our technology with our everyday life. So, the story, like for me, the story itself talks huge. Even if I have to wait 10 years, even as an investor, you know, one thing we was talking about is investing is you, especially when you believe in a certain storyline, 
playing the long game is not a bad thing, especially in spaces where there's a lot of, like I say in your component, there's a lot of R and D and research and, and it's a, and it's an educational component to, like right now you're in the educational phase where you're trying to really teach people about graphene and explore it. So for myself, I, I absolutely adore the storyline. And uh, so I can't really, I, I have nothing bad to say against this whole, uh, this whole <laughs> I, hope, I hope not. I just, it, it's, it's hard it's, to, this is like 10 years of education right now, Nick. And even, <laughs> even, even with like, have you guys have done anything with nanotechnology, like somehow like incorporation or conversations of nanotechnology being built in with the graphene? I don't even know if that's a, if that would be a thing, but I read stuff on it. So I'm not sure. Uh, so, so gra graphene is nanotechnology. So graphene okay. at the, at, at the, at a, from a thickness perspective is about 0.3 nanometers. Okay. All right. Okay. Pure graphene is, is thinner than, 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 so if you think of, of, of a human hair, the thickness of a human hair, that's about a million layers of graphene there. Okay. Okay. That gives your, you an, uh, an idea of size here. So we're, we're talking about, you know, microscopic uh, stuff here. There was a, there was a pic, there's a picture on the internet where they show that if you take a one layer, well, this is scientists was supporting this too, is where you take one layer of, of graphene and you were put a pencil dead center and you were put a 15 ton elephant on top of that one pencil, <laughs> it would require, it would literally require a 15 ton elephant standing on the, the top of a pencil with the tip in the center of the graphene layer for you to be able to penetrate it. It would have to be localized all into that center. That's how strong they were trying to say it is. Yeah, I, I think that might be a little exaggeration <laughs> there, but the, the measurements that we've been able to do on tensile strength is about 200 times stronger than steel. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is an extremely strong material for sure. And flexible at the same time. Absolutely. So Ford is one of the leading car companies that have jumped on this bandwagon. They started their research back in 2014, and they came out in 2018 with a polyurethane foam uh, that was enhanced with uh, graphene. They added 0.5%, so 0.5%, a very small amount of graphene in their polyurethane foam. But for that, they got a polyurethane foam that was 20% stronger, 30% more heat resistant, and 17% more sound absorbing. Wow. So because of those uh, nice properties, they were able to reduce how much foam they put in there, where they, their net cost apparently was very close to zero, if not zero. Um, so it just tells you the power of graphene. Um, it's, it's a pretty nice case there. And now you're starting to see it in golf balls and, and high-end bicycles and high-end tennis rackets. So, you know, like any market, you're going to start going after the high-end markets yeah. first. You're going to start to see it everywhere. Like Ford put it in their Mustang and the F-150 trucks to start with, but they're on the record that they're going to put this into every car model that they have going well, forward. It, it makes sense. Like if you look at what, uh, Elon Musk's business model was where he started at the upper end of his vehicles with electric vehicles. And he said, start at the top, sell a bit, make money, work your way down to the middle, then work your way down to the low end. Yeah. So, so it makes sense. I entirely get it. And if I were to ask you, where do you really, where are you really excited mostly in terms of the potential for graphene and your, your, your business as a whole? Like, obviously you're not going to look at one channel. You're going to try to really broaden out your patents and your technology. Is there one specifically, or you, there's some things you can't really talk about? Um, there is a lot we're looking at right now. There's a few that are really exciting that 
we don't want to talk about too much. We don't want to tip off our, our peers, uh, but aluminum is one that's pretty big for us. Uh, we, we think there's a lot of uh, things that we can do with aluminum to improve aluminum. Um, in the polymer space, your plastic space, we think there's a lot of opportunities there as well. Um, in the, um, the ink that we've got, that one's closest to market. So that one we think is a huge potential. The outreach we've had, uh, we haven't even started an outbound campaign yet. This is just people calling us. Um, the demand is, is through the roof there. Um, so, you know, that's a closer near-term, uh, you know, revenue, uh, closer revenue here. So that one's exciting. But, uh, yeah, the other markets are massive, massive markets that we're, uh, we're pretty excited about. I want to cool. end on uh, maybe just one thing. I know we've been talking about graphene, uh, for the whole time. Um, and I have to say like this, the, the possibilities are endless. Um, it's, it's pretty remarkable, but looking back on sort of your career, like, and I guess moving forward, like what, what's sort of the one or two pieces of advice you would give, you know, uh, people, our generation, our age, even people, you know, your age, just looking to just better understand, you know, this whole space and just investing in career advice as well. Number one, I'd say is surround yourself uh, with very smart people. Uh, just keep talking to people. You, you'll, you'll find there's always people that are like-minded. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you might feel alone in what you do. I think what you guys are doing here is brilliant. You're really connecting people to, um, you know, new information, and, and that's key. Educating yourself, surrounding yourself with, with people that are not like-minded. So that was one of the things that when, when we formed the board of directors, we really didn't want people that had the same skill sets. We really wanted a bunch of different skill sets. And, and I think that's really important. You don't want to be surrounded by yes men. Um, you know, there's some people that like that, um, but it's not what I wanted. I, if I'm the dumbest guy in the, in, in the, in the yeah. room, I'm actually pretty happy. Uh, it means I've, I've got a lot of brain power around me. Um, you know, a lot of PhD guys that we've got working with us. Um, that's where things are going to happen when, you know, there's a lot of things that are sort of already invented. If you want to break through, uh, you know, in the world right now, you've got to have a lot of brain power. It's just, it's the information age right now. And so the, the more, uh, information, the more smart people you have around you, um, the better you'll be able to do both in life and in investing, you know, every facet. It's definitely I, I, a, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say it's the, 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 I don't know if you ever heard of the theory of game theory. So it's, so game theory is the premise of just the more you surround yourself with knowing all your variables in life, the easier it is to make a decision. So the more Absolutely. people around you that help you to feed you into what you're thinking or to give you to externalize or criticize you and your ideas and challenge you, the more you're able to navigate and adapt and shift to whatever the life throws at you. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Um, it, it's all about who's around you um, and how do you react when somebody gives you, you know, a uh, constructive criticism. You know, some people just can't take any criticism at all. For me, it's always about a learning opportunity. Hey, I could get better here. Just listen. Right. And, and you know, I've got a great mentor and one of the guys on their, on our, management team called Greg Fenton. He's, he's been a mentor for me throughout this program, uh, this development of Zen Graphene, um, you know, surrounding yourself with people you can look up to, you can trust. Um, that's invaluable in I life agree. and in business. I agree. Francis, um, I mean, 
Nick and I could probably sit here and talk for another hour about graphene and the possibilities. But uh, again, we want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been a very massive learning experience. This is just the tip of the iceberg, right, of the future possibilities. So I think your, excite, your, your, your excitement for that, I think it's catching on to myself. I know Nick's really excited about that. <laughs> where, where, can the, uh, where can our listeners find you guys? We're a public traded company. Uh, our ticker is Zen, Z-E-N. Uh, we're on the Venture Exchange. Um, Zengraphene.com is our website. Um, you know, our share price has doubled in the last month uh, because since we announced our patent on the Graphene Inc. But we do think we're really just at the starting gate of where Graphene is going. Uh, we're very well positioned with a lot of uh, researchers across Canada and multiple universities working with us. Um, you know, we, we think it's still very, very early in the game here. So I think if people want to follow us as a company or follow Graphene as a material, uh, yeah, zengraphene.com and zen in the, in, as, a, as a company to look at for investing purposes. And you guys also have an OTC ticker as well, right? Yeah, we're on the U.S. and the pink sheets under Z-E-N-Y-F. Perfect. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on here. Um, we're going to be, I'll, I'm going to, I have a lot of research that I need to do as well. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch with you, Francis. Thanks again for coming on. Dan, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Ciao.